Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Before we get started with today's episode of SFF Yeah, we just wanted to let you know that if you are interested in trying audiobooks or have been eyeing an Audible membership, you can get two free audiobooks when you sign up for a free trial at bookriot.com slash audible. Most free trial offers for Audible only give you one download with your 30-day trial, but we're giving you two. Audiobooks are a great way to work more reading into your life, whether it's during your commute or while you're cooking or while you're at the gym or whatever. So go to bookriot.com slash audible to sign up for your free trial and get two free audiobooks. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 54 and we are recording early on May 8th. I'm Jen Northington and I'm here with Sharifa Williams and we're coming to you from Book Riot. And today we're going to talk about Kidlit SFF. Hooray! Hooray! I love, I love an opportunity to talk about, or to actually read Kidlet, because <laughs> I don't get to as much anymore. Yeah, it feels like, somehow it feels like it doesn't count, which is ridiculous, but it true. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Um, I feel like people who do Goodreads challenges especially feel like, I think I've run into this conversation before, actually, where they feel guilty about adding it to, like their challenge list saying they've finished a book, uh, which it's, it's a funny thing how that works, but it's a book. A book is a book. Right. I mean, perhaps they might be a little bit shorter. Perhaps you might read it faster, but it's still a book. So, And they're so yeah. relaxing. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. It's just like a true pleasure to read them. And we are recording so early because May is the month of PTO apocalypse as we're <laughs> referring to it here. We're all going on vacation at various times. And so we, uh, we were like, well, I guess this is just an early bird episode. It absolutely is. It's vacation, and then I'll be in BEA, which actually brings us to our first sponsor. Hey, look at that segue. (laughs) Okay. Today's episode is sponsored by BookCon. Uh, BookCon is a celebration of storytelling happening June 1st and 2nd in New York City. BookCon is packed with authors you know and love and new ones to discover. Have your book signed by V.E. Schwab. Very exciting. Leigh Bardugo. Also exciting. All these are exciting. Charlie Jane Anders, N.K. Jemison, and more. Meet up with other book lovers, snag copies of books before they're released, and explore this event packed with bookish goodies and interactive experiences. So... BookCon is really, I have heard it's really fun. Unfortunately, last year I didn't get to stick around for it, and this year I won't either, but it looked like an absolute hoot, and yeah, if you're in the New York area, consider going to BookCon and thank them for sponsoring our show. All right, let's see. I want to talk, I want to take a moment to... I. Uh, talk about the snap from the Avengers mm-hmm. for a minute, just for a minute, not in any spoilery kind of way. Although I guess <laughs> if you have not seen infinity war, 
this is a spoiler. So <laughs> forward ahead, but I yes. will not give any. I will not give any spoilers for Endgame. Uh, and so. Well, the thing I love about this post is that I don't know if you saw this in your corner of the internet, but there were a bunch of, you know, people who were like, oh, Thanos is not wrong. Like, if only half of, you know, if only we had half as many people, we would have plenty of resources, which is ridiculous. And oh I think, my. yes, I think many people know that, but the folks over at Earther uh, decided to ask a scientist what would actually happen if Thanos erased half of all life on Earth specifically. And this is extra interesting to me because it's true that the language used in the movie, and I believe in the comics, is that it is 50% of all life, which means like any living being, which means like bacteria, right? And giraffes. It's not just people. It's not just people. So if you're going to wipe out half of all life, that means you are wiping out half of every ecosystem, which not going to do great for the people who are left behind, whose ecosystems are suddenly going other under and your crops are not going to grow potentially. And you know, the animals that you eat are not going to be around and plants are probably not going to grow properly. Like you're going to be screwed. But even aside from that, it turns out that for species on the brink or excuse me, for species who breed swiftly, which humans do, that is not actually going to have any long-term effect whatsoever. Like if you, I'm trying to find the quote here. It was basically like, if you, even if you wiped out half of all humans, the human population would be back up to the same levels within a couple decades, maybe like it's, there's not going to be any long-term effects here. And you know those other species are not going to recover. Right, exactly. <laughs> like the tigers are not going to be well off. They're not coming back. But if you wipe out half of humanity and, oh, I found it, in 40 years, we'll likely be back to the same population numbers. Wow. So this is like the worst short-term bad science thinking in the galaxy for the record. This is like the Facebook meme your uncle is sending around. Like that, <laughs> that is what this all sounds like to me when people are talking about, people are agreeing with the bad guy. Right. <laughs> and the right. comic books and being like, like, right. well, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. Just wipe out half of us. Like it's it fine. <laughs> It'll work great. It's like yeah, like certainly population control is important for spe for resource management. Yes. But like just literally taking away half of everybody isn't gonna do anything long term. So I just loved, first of all, that somebody took the time to ask a scientist about this and that they did a deep dive into like all of the different species and how they might be affected. It's a really nerdy, delightful read, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. And if you are also interested in hearing more about this, the link will be in the show notes. Super interesting, super delightful. Science is so satisfying. It's so satisfying. <laughs> yes. And now you have ammunition if you happen to get into an argument Ooh. on the internet with one of these Thanos agreeers. <laughs> I mean, we don't recommend getting into an argument no. with people on the internet, but it's, it's a good point. Good. I, right. Do not. I don't actually recommend. <laughs> but if you are forced for some reason, then you have some ammunition. Okay. 
well, I'll, while we're on the subject of comics, I want to talk about N.K. Jemison's new comic. Yes. Yeah, it sounds so exciting. Uh, so N.K. Jemison, when we first saw this story, it was basically just her tweeting the announcement, which is always exciting. I love it when... You know, Twitter produces something fun and something to look forward to. And this is definitely one of them. So she's working on a Green Lantern comic. And there followed a tour article about it. Um, and it's actually planned for spring of 2019, I believe. Oh, late 2019. Um, and basically on Twitter, N.K. Jemison gave some highlights or some updates. Like, of course, it's not like totally fleshed out yet. Uh, but some of the things she said about it is that so she's been working on and off on it for a few years, which is a long time. Um, so she's been thinking about this for a while. And she made some changes. So it was because it was it was actually catalyzed by Gerard Way, who had an interesting idea, she said, and it sparked things in her brain. And so it's going to be a Green Lantern story uh, featuring, she says, a unique ring, one lantern on her own, apart from the core, a frontier sheriff, except her frontier is a futuristic society with its own complex history of colonialism and change. So this sounds totally in N.K. Jemison's wheelhouse, totally like something she is here for. And she, of course, appealed to everybody who was talking about black the black hole photos during that week mm-hmm. uh, because she says it's on a Dyson Swarm. I, I love when she gets really nerdy, uh, which she did with this. So I'm just really excited. It's going to be a while, but she does. It looks like they do have illustrator, the artist picked out. It's Jamal Campbell. And she's really excited about that. So, yeah, you can. there's something to look forward to later in 2019. I can't wait to see it and to pick it up. Um, and fingers crossed they don't cancel it yeah. later on. <laughs> well, at see. least give us, like, a decent run before they cancel please, it. Please, please. Um, are, are you generally a Green Lantern fan? Do you know much about that character? You know, I'm not. Um, but... I am the sort of person who will mostly pick up comics, um, especially, well, superhero comics, when an author that I really like is working on them. So this wasn't a superhero comic, but like I've talked about, Victor Lavelle's Destroyer, which was something I jumped for. It definitely takes a certain author um, because I just don't generally immediately go for the comics. I'm usually reading novels and things, but this makes me excited about them. I think some part of my hesitance is that I feel like I'm worried I'm going to come across some problematic things. Uh, so I feel I feel like I'm in good hands with N.K. Jemison yes. at least. <laughs> yeah, it, comics are full of pitfalls like like anything it's true but it is harder to know sometimes going into it i i uh i was thinking about this and i haven't seen any recent green lantern things but i did go through a pretty heavy phase of watching the justice league cartoon Mm. when i was a teenager i remember those and yeah right remember those um and i do remember i think that green lantern was black and 
I don't know that I can think of any other black superheroes that I ever saw in a cartoon on TV, now that I'm thinking about that, um, which is interesting. So, but yeah, I, uh, even when I was reading a ton of comics, which I was for a while and have backed off since because it just got too hard to keep up with it. Um, I was never reading too much DC cause I just wasn't as interested in those characters as I was in some of the indie comics and some of the Marvel comics, but I definitely will be picking this up in some way. I probably will do it digitally. I, I think assuming they make it available. Sometimes they're not unless you buy like a subscription to the entire DC universe of comics, but hopefully there will be, there will be options other than the actual floppies. And I, I'm very looking forward to seeing her take on this. It sounds fantastic. I know I am too. Sometimes I find comics on hoopla, but yeah, you're right. I think with like DC and Marvel, sometimes it's a bit more complicated. Like they want you to go to comicsology and things like that. But, mm-hmm. um, but we'll see. Maybe it'll be collected. I tend to like to get like the collected volumes. Yes. So but we'll that see. means you have to wait until it's out I enough know. to be collected, <laughs> which is usually six issues, which is forever. <laughs> I know. The, uh, well, <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure, we'll figure it out. It out. <laughs> Um, well, while we're talking about exciting new things coming down the pipe, let us talk about the new Zen show novella that mm-hmm. we will be getting at an undisclosed date. There is not a date announced as far as I am aware at this point, but she is writing a wuxia inspired fantasy novella called The Order of the Pure Moon Reflected in Water, which is an amazing title. <laughs> and the tagline for this is a bandit walks into a coffee house and it all goes downhill from there i could not be more excited about this um wuxia if you're not familiar is a martial arts adventure genre that's very like comes out of chinese uh mythology and writing and i like think like crouching tiger hidden dragon kind of stuff and so this is in that tradition and i'm so excited and I love that there's more information in the piece we're linking to. It's about a displaced nun who joins a group of bandits. Like that sounds amazing. And it's also apparently inspired in part by a period of Malaysian history known as the emergency, which I don't know anything about, but now I have to look into that. And this is particularly exciting to me because I just finished reading Sherry Thomas has written a Mulan uh, retelling called the Magnolia Sword, which is also Wuxia. And it was so much fun, although it was much more strictly historical than fantasy. So I'm I'm very here for this genre. Anyway, I love martial arts movies and novels. And then, of course, Zen Cho is amazing. So I can't wait to see her take on this. So I'm just all of the excited. I am with you. I actually, I really like her short fiction. I think... Oh, I read Spirits Abroad. I think I might have talked about it once on this show, but I just found that collection so much fun. Like, the way she gets into mythology, um, and particularly in that in that collection, at least, into Malaysian mythology, 
it was just so much fun and it was so fascinating. So when I saw that she was putting out a novella, I was the same way. I was so excited about it. Um, and we were just talking about, because we were talking about um, the Black God's drums and the nuns yes. in that story. And yes. I, <laughs> I feel like I'm so ready to just read more nuns. In There's a fantasy. real nun moment happening. <laughs> there is. It's like the gin moment of yore. Now yes. it's nuns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we say. <laughs> So, yeah, this is really great. Um, happy to hear about Zen Cho writing anything. Give us all of the Cho books. And, yeah. Let's see. This is a really short one, but there is some news about Vans coming out with some Harry Potter branded. It's a Harry Potter collaboration, basically. Um, and I am the Vans where I have a pair of pink Vans that I wear to my dance classes. So I want to be sporting these shoes. I don't think they have, they don't have um, an actual picture of it yet. It looks like they did update with a video. So I should probably watch that. But uh, they are going to have a collaboration and I am probably going to have to buy them. And I didn't realize that they did a David Bowie collaboration. Like, they've done other things before, but this is definitely one for the Potterheads out there. Um, but it's going to include footwear, apparel, and accessories, so it's not just the shoes. And it looks like the products, it says here that the products will carry house themes, so it'll be Gryffindor, Slytherin, Ravenclaw, and Hufflepuff, so of course you can wear your house colors and show your pride. Um, so I will definitely be picking up some Ravenclaw shoes, because that is what I am, even though I'm kind of, what is it, Ravenpuff? I think I'm Ravenpuff. You and me both. You and me both. <laughs> we can wear one foot with Ravenclaw. Yes. <laughs> wait, wait. Are we the same size shoe? Because then we could just each get a pair and then swap one of them. <laughs> are you a seven? Oh, it depends on the shoe, maybe. Ooh. I go back and forth between a seven and an eight. All right, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to figure some stuff out. You, I, so I went to the the Vans website for this, uh-huh. and it's got some funky like geometric patterns, and then you know with the icons of the the little animal icons of the houses embedded in them, and it's it's very fun to play with because there's this like wacky ripple effect where you move your mouse around. Um, Ooh, I but I, I mean, aside from that, there's not much information. I am very curious to see what they do because I remember looking, I think we talked about it on the show. There was a game of Thrones sneaker collaboration. I can't remember if it was like Adidas or Nike, but they just, they just basically put some colors on a shoe and we're like, this is how stark. And you're like, yeah, oh. is it though? Like, is it? And so I feel like some of these colors, collaborations have been very uninspired is the word I'm going to use. And I'm hopeful that Vans will do something more interesting. I haven't owned a pair of Vans in a while. I tend to be a converse wearer. Sorry, not sorry. Um, not that there's any competition. I think it, we often own both. I just don't own any Vans right now. But I am very curious to see. Also, I own more than one thing from the Hot Topic Harry Potter collection, which makes me feel like a 12-year-old, but I <laughs> 
don't care. <laughs> no shame. Because they have really good stuff, but it's not the highest quality. So like it wears out real fast. So I would love to see some higher quality, but still reasonable price point gear from Vans. So the fact that they're going to do apparel as well makes me hopeful. I, again, hopeful. I don't know. I'm nervous a little bit that it's just going to be another one of these, like, here's some red stuff. That's Gryffindor, right? Like, I hope it's more interesting than that. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. Like, I feel like Game of Thrones fans would probably be like less likely to pitch a fit because maybe they wouldn't. There's so much Game of Thrones stuff out there. It's but true, I feel like true. Potterheads would definitely be like, come on now to Vans <laughs> if they were just, you know, dyeing their shoe the color of the house. That would be really right. pathetic. <laughs> yeah, I would be. But, and yet, and yet. <laughs> I know. I know. I say that. But, you know, there are marketing people who are like, you know, it would be a good idea. Let's yeah. just dye the sneaker. Right. <laughs> Make it as accessible to everybody as possible. Even Potter, people who don't read Harry Potter will want to buy these shoes because they won't know it's Harry Potter branded. <laughs> right, right, right. Which is, I can see the logic. It's just yeah. not interesting to me. So we'll see. We'll see. But fingers crossed. Fingers very crossed. Okay, well, do we have time for another one, or should we just move along? I think we should just move along. Let's uh, let's get into our book choices, since we have slightly more than usual. Okay, uh, do you want to talk about our sponsor first? I do. I'm so excited to tell you about Exhalation by Ted Chang, published by Alfred A. Knopf. I do believe I have gushed about <laughs> Ted Chang's work on this podcast before. He, you might remember, is the person who wrote the story, which was the basis for the movie Arrival. The actual story was called Story of Your Life, and that was in a collection called Story of Your Life and Others, with which I am obsessed. It's so good. So, so good. And we have not gotten a new Ted Chang collection since 2002, or yeah, since 2002, which is a long time to wait for somebody who's as good of a writer as Ted Chang is. So I am super excited. This is his new short fiction collection, and it has things like a portal through time that forces a fabric seller in Baghdad to grapple with his past mistakes. There's an alien scientist making shocking discoveries. There's alternate universes. There's all kinds of good stuff, and it includes all new stories as well as classic uncollected works. And so it is just all of the exciting things. And if you did not know, or if my gushing was not enough for you, he has also won four Hugos, four Nebulas, and four Locus Awards, as well as the John W. Campbell Award for Best New Writer. And so this is just like... He's 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 sort of legendary in sci-fi fantasy. And so if you have not already read him, you should definitely pick up Stories of Your Life and Others immediately. And now you can dive right into Exhalation, his new collection. So keep an eye out for it. Go find it. Again, that's Exhalation by Ted Chang. And thank you to Alfred A. Knopf for sponsoring the show. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to jump right in with my science fiction pick, which is a children's graphic novel series that I love so much. It's called the Binky Adventure Series, and it's by Ashley Spires. And it is about pets who think they're part of an elite space team. 
Oh my yes. gosh. It's I'm, a, I'm so interested. <laughs> <laughs> you will love, this is like right in there with relaxing, delightful reads. So if you're ever having a stressful day. So yes, they're ridiculous. They're as ridiculous as they sound. And I was laughing like a total dweeb reading the series. So to give you some insight into the minds of these pets, they're they're in these totally normal situations, but in their minds, home is a spaceship and they are astronauts. And the first one I read, which is called License to Scratch, is actually the fifth and final book in the Binky Adventure book series, but you don't necessarily have to read them in any sort of order. It was just the first one I encountered on Hoopla, which I was just talking about. So you do get a little uh, context in the earlier books if you need such a thing for space cats. I did not. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, okay, I accept this. Uh, (laughs) So for instance, they're like, they're members of FIRST, which is an acronym for felines of the universe ready for space travel. Stop it. Yes, they are qualified space cats. And in the first book, uh, which is, Bink just called Binky the Space Cat. There, there are a lot more sci-fi images of Binky, like imagining himself in space and amongst the aliens. And unfortunately, Binky's always been confined to the spaceship, which is his home. Uh, so he's never allowed out into outer space. He lives with a woman and her son, or rather, one big human and one small human. And aliens are uh, Binky's biggest nemesis, so they're everywhere, of course. They're especially outside and buzzing around the litter box. They're bugs. Whisper, whisper. <laughs> and the illustrations... Spoiler! I know. <laughs> but the illustrations in the books are really delightful, and Binky basically looks like a cat-shaped, rock, uh, cat-shaped rocket ship, uh, <laughs> and the animals are really just expressive. I really, this was the first book uh, by Ashley Spires that I came across, and I just loved her style right away, and the writing was so dry and funny. I can absolutely imagine, like, if this is something you want to read aloud to your kids... I feel like you will probably be laughing as much as they do. And I'm the person who sits around laughing at, you know, those Instagram videos of pets with doggo lingo captions. (laughs) (laughs) So this was absolutely my jam. You do not have to be a child to enjoy these. And I think if you are also a fan of Pinky and the Brain, I think this would probably be your thing. And of course, for animal-loving kids, this is perfect. And so in the beginning, it's just Binky in the beginning of the stories, but his team grows into uh, Gracie and Gordon, which are completely on board with Binky's schemes. And Gordon's a dog, so he's not exactly welcomed right away, but um, he's part of this elite space team. And the book is actually marketed for kids uh, age 7 through 12, but I can see, especially if this is like a read-aloud situation, I can see this being read to younger kids. I think, like, as a five-year-old, I probably would have enjoyed this too. But of course, there are some words like fugitive peppered in there. And there's also just all the things kids love, animals, imagination. There's a lot of farting. um, (laughs) And there's a lot of the use of the word 
fuzz butt. I'm adding that to my personal dictionary. Uh, so yeah, I was just having like, it was funny. I was actually having a particularly stressful day when I picked up these books and they made for such a great pick me up. Uh, and I discovered Ashley Spires has a forthcoming picture book for ages three to kindergarten out in September about a fairy scientist and it's called fairy science and I absolutely need it. Amazing. But yeah, again, I've been talking about the Binky Adventure series by Ashley Spires. I am definitely going to have to check those out. Let's cool. see now. I, I'm i tempted to talk about two at once because <laughs> I have a picture book, which won't take long to talk about. So we'll see how this goes. So my very first sci-fi pick for this is Interstellar Cinderella by Deborah Underwood and illustrated by Meg Hunt. And this book is an absolute delight. It rhymes, which is always fun for picture books, especially when you're reading them aloud. And I found this because I was getting books for my nephews. And I brought this to visit and read it aloud. And they loved it. They absolutely loved it. The pictures are gorgeous. The story is so much fun. And it does rhyme. So it's really fun to get into a silly rhythm with it. Um, it is about a space girl mechanic named Cinderella who has a little help from her fairy god robot. She wants to go to the ball, but then the princess ship has mechanical trouble. And so somebody has to go to the rescue. And that's the plot of this. And there's like a cute little like the the robot is like a little space mouse kind of situation Aww. and it's she's zooming around the galaxy and it's so much fun oh it's just it's just an utter delight so and i w i happen to be talking about it with another of our podcasters maria christina and she said that this book is a huge hit at their household with her daughter as well so it comes highly recommended by children related to book riot and by adults related to book riot so again that was interstellar cinderella by deborah underwood illustrated by meg hunt okay that took like two minutes so i'm going to talk now about my middle grade pick which is an older book that i read for the first time as a grown-up and just became obsessed with it's the True Meaning of Smek Day by Adam Rex. And this is about a 12-year-old girl named Gratuity Tucci, who goes by Tip. And she is biracial, I believe. And she has to write an essay on the true meaning of Smek Day for school. And so this is the sort of structure of this. And then suddenly this turns from like a school report into a report about what happened when Earth got invaded by aliens <laughs> called the Boove, who are ridiculous. But they come to Earth, they take over, they quarantine all of the humans in Florida, and they decide to rename Earth Smeckland. And Gratuity gets separated from her mom when all of this is going down and has to get from, I believe she starts out in New York, um, and has to get all the way down to Florida. And she's 12. It's not like this is easy for her. And then she gets, she makes friend with a renegade boove alien named JLo. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> and there's a cat and all kinds of hijinks. And it's just so 
so delightful and silly and it's so sweet around family and like what it means to be a family, both just because it is just Tip and her mom. Um, and then also like sort of found family with this alien named JLo again, named <laughs> JLo. Wonderful. <laughs> and they have to figure out, you know, how to do things like get a hover car to work and get across the country and then defeat the aliens. You know, it's just, oh my gosh, it's so much fun. And there's little drawings and like newspaper clippings and comics and little like different kinds of media inside of the book as well, which is excellent. And as if all of that wasn't enough, they made a, DreamWorks made a movie out of this a few years ago. It was called Home and Tip was voiced by Rihanna and it was such a delightful adaptation. It was, if I remember correctly, it's been a little while since I saw it, but it was pretty close to the original and it retained all of the things I really wanted it to retain. Like if there were other changes, I don't, it, di it didn't bother me because really they captured exactly what I was talking about, this idea of friendship and family and and just the magic of Tip and her quest to be reunited with her mom. It's it's just I was like sitting there watching it and crying and laughing Aww. and all of and it really gave me all the same good feelings that the book it gave me. So I just cannot recommend that highly enough. Like especially like you were talking about if you're having a stressful time and need a pick me up or like if you love like like Becky Chambers and that idea of the found family. This is absolutely Absolutely in that same wheelhouse. It's just about a 12 year old girl and an alien instead of grown ups and an alien. So, highly, 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 highly recommended. And again, that is The True Meaning of Smeck Day by Adam Rex. I think I remember the billboards for that movie yes. and because they were so cute. Yes, it's so cute. It's just the cutest thing you ever saw. And the aliens are so silly. Like, they're not scary aliens. They're really silly aliens. So if you have kids at home who are, you know, like, interested in this kind of thing or you want to do this as a read-aloud, I think it would be super fun. And it is not at all really scary. Or if you know grown people like me who are terrified of aliens. It's <laughs> oh, so funny because I can read about aliens, but I can't read about other horror things. We could tell each other about the things we can't read. That's, there you that's go. Our but this is this is Sharifa safe, I promise. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'm going to talk about my next two, and I'm actually going to keep the second one pretty short because it doesn't need too much explanation. But the first fantasy book I want to talk about is Arusha and the End of Time by Roshni Chakshi, um, which I've been meaning to pick up. I hadn't read any of Chakshi's books, so this is my first, um, and it was fantastic. And this is the first book in the Pandava Quartet, and it's marketed for kids age 9 to 12 years old. I think that's a pretty good um, age range, I would say. That would that would suit them. Um, so the story actually follows a 12-year-old girl named Aru, and she lives in a museum, and her mom's a curator, which sounds like the coolest thing in the world. Seriously. But, yeah. But, to, like, her mom basically sounds like Indiana Jones, uh, which is not necessarily, it's not as exciting when you're an actual real curator and you go on archaeological expeditions, but it's still cool. But, uh, you know, to Aru, it's just one of many things that set her apart from her peers. She's at that age. Um, she's dealing with a lot at school. 
kids don't seem to like her and she feels like she's not seen but also like at worst she's the target of a lot of you know prejudice and a lot of weird bullying so her mom goes on this archaeological expedition she's out of town and Aru thought that she was going to be able to go to Paris and you know have a summer like all of these rich kids she's surrounded by but she ends up staying at the museum and there are things that Aru's done at school to try and make herself seem seen And one of those things is she stretches the truth a little. She's a teller of tall tales. And while her mom's away and while she's at the museum, this kind of uh, comes back at her and sets her on this really alarming course. Uh, So she ends up doing something to a lamp that's kept in the Museum of Ancient Indian Art and Culture. And then one thing leads to another and she ends up on this quest to the kingdom of death where she has to stop this ancient demon who's going to activate the god of destruction. So basically the worst thing possible happens because of these little fibs she tells. And along the way, Aru ends up like learning things about herself, including this responsibility she has that's kind of been kept secret from her. Uh, She's completely unfamiliar with this new role she has to step into, and it's a big one, and she has to walk this path kind of blindly. And the book is inspired by Hindu mythology and also the epic poem, the Mahabharata, and includes this cranky animal, which is something I want always in everything. Boo is this (laughs) pigeon (laughs) who really doubts Aru and Minnie can accomplish anything. And Minnie is Aru's companion. She's kind of a sidekick of sorts, but she's really funny. She's this Filipina Indian girl, the very detail-oriented kid she's basically like the task manager of this expedition and it's just this really great unlikely hero story that's perfect for kids and adults who enjoy mythology and stories about outcasts and normal kids traveling to magical worlds so you have this sort of clash of the modern world and modern ideas with this mythological world of this epic poem and it does I think a really great job of encapsulating this the experience of being a really awkward self-conscious kid and it doesn't try to make Aru fit into that chosen one box Um, and it also confronts these the subtle ways people express prejudice and how hurtful and damaging that can be in ways that I think are are clear to kids And it's just an all-around worthy, fun, and informative quest story. And the second book in the series, Arusha and the Song of Death, came out in April, so you can move right on to the next book. And it looks like the third is planned for spring 2020. So again, that was Arusha and the End of Time by Roshni Chakshi. And... Okay, so my final pick is another comic. And this one doesn't need a lot of explaining. I feel like You've probably come across it once, I hope, because it's fantastic. It's for ages 8 to 12, and it's Phoebe and Her Unicorn by Dana Simpson. 
And this is, I'm still on the all outcasts all the time, Jag, because this is definitely one of those stories, and I seem to gravitate toward those. So in this series, Phoebe is a fourth grader. She's a loner who stumbles upon this unicorn, Mar Marigold Heavenly Nostrils, which is the best name in the world. Um, but Marigold thinks very highly of herself. They're kind of opposites in that way, where Phoebe... You know, she is an outcast. She's a loner. She doesn't have a lot of friends. And then she comes across Marigold, who's very confident, and she kind of doesn't care about what anybody thinks. And I get this, I see this compared a lot to Calvin and Hobbes, and I do think that this is a good one for Calvin and Hobbes fans. It's a little sweeter. It's a little nicer. Uh, so Phoebe and Marigold exchange a lot of snide words and things, though, which did remind me of Calvin and Hobbes. They have that sort of relationship where there are some arguments and some sarcastic exchanges that are really funny and really witty, uh, especially after Marigold doesn't show up, even though they're supposed to be best friends. So there are scenes like <gasps> that. I know. <laughs> so rude. Phoebe's the laughing stock of the classroom. But it's not like um, if you are going into this thinking about Calvin and Hobbes, it's not necessarily like a collection of comic strips. It is more of it has like a narrative that follows through from beginning to end uh, in the graphic novels where it's these slice of life moments. But there's also like this trajectory of Marigold and Phoebe becoming friends and Phoebe introducing Marigold to like the average life of a child, except she has a unicorn, and the unicorn becomes part of her life, and there are jealousies and weirdness and other kids who want to covet her unicorn as they do. But I just thought it was a really cute take on the life of an imaginative and lonely kid who finally finds a friend and what that looks like and what, you know, friendship means to both of them. So again, that was Phoebe and Her Unicorn by Dana Simpson. Amazing. I love so a good unicorn good. story. Yes. Um, so we both picked books from the Rick Riordan Presents line, uh -huh. which is exciting. So if you're not aware, Rick Riordan, author of the Percy Jackson books, which were obviously enormously popular and very fun. I have read at least the first four. Yes. Yes. And, <laughs> and some of the spinoffs too. Um, he, one of the things that he decided to do with his fame and fortune was to start an imprint that was dedicated to telling, I think, specifically diverse fantasy stories for that age group, that like 10, yeah. 11, 12, 13 age group. And so a bunch of amazing books have come out of this imprint, including Arusha and the End of Time. Um, Yoonha Lee, who, as you know, I adore, has a book series through them as well, which I could not get from the library in time for this episode otherwise. I would be talking about them, but it's okay because I found an amazing first book in a new series from that line called The Storm Runner by J.C. Cervantes. And this is fantastic because it is Mayan mythology inspired. Oh, so much fun. The main character, Zane, is a kid in New Mexico who lives sort of out in the middle of nowhere. There's a dormant volcano like in his backyard. And he has been homeschooled for the past year because he really did not want to go to middle school because he has a short leg. And he got made fun of. As you can imagine, kids can be really cruel and there's all kinds of terrible nicknames 
names that he gave that they gave him. And so he has been homeschooled for the past year, but his mom has decided he's going back to school. He's going to go to this Catholic school. It's like very exclusive and it's supposed to be a fresh start. He really doesn't want to go. And so he's out like, you know, kicking rocks around uh, on his volcano with his dog, Rosie, his dog, his three-legged dog, Rosie, who's a boxer Dalmatian mix, which I thought was such an adorable detail because he calls her a boxmation. And I was just like, this is everything I I want. That's fantastic. <laughs> this is everything I want. So he's like out kicking rocks, you know, doesn't want to go to the new school and runs like, and then weird things start to happen around his volcano. And he does have to go to the new school and immediately gets called to the principal's office, of course. And this girl named Brooks comes up to him in the principal's office and is like, oh, by the way, you're part of a prophecy and you're maybe going to release an evil god from a volcano. No, and you should not do that, but I'll help you to not do it. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about or who you are. And she turns out to be a shapeshifter and then demons attack them and everything goes nuts. And so Zane gets sucked into this adventure where he's trying to figure out like, why is he in this prophecy? There's all kinds of things about him that he doesn't know. He doesn't know who his dad is. His mom has never told him. And that comes into play. And he's got a great, like, Lucha Libre wrestling-loving uncle who ends up going on the adventure with them, which is so much fun. I loved that inclusion. Such a good side character. And there are just a ton of fun side characters. And like the Percy Jackson books, Cervantes takes all of these different elements of Mayan mythology and sort of gives them updated versions. Like, there's a giant who's running, like, a head shop in Venice, California and a goddess on a surfboard and all of these other fun things. And you also learn a bunch about the original Mayan mythology alongside of Zane, who has like this book that he's trying to like reference, like, okay, is this this thing? Like, I don't know what's going on. Can I, can I find it in this book that my mom gave me? Um, and it's, you know, like I mentioned at the top, Zane has a short leg, which has always set him apart from the other kids. And this is definitely a story about finding the pieces of you that you think are your weakness and turning them into strengths. And it does it, you know, through the magic of fantasy. But I think like you were saying, Sharifa, like the way that the, that process happens, I think will speak to a lot of kids on their own level. And it's just such a delightful story. And it comes to a very satisfying conclusion, although the door is very open for what's going to happen next, which I'm excited about. But yeah, I just found it a complete delight. I, I tore through it. It was just my favorite from start to finish because Mayan mythology is something that I had learned a little bit about, but had kind of forgotten. And so it was really nice to get this new infusion of it. And Zane is just such a fun character. Loved it. I will say that there is a little bit of dog peril involved. So if you are sensitive to that, like consider yourself warned. <laughs> but everything turns out fine in the end. Spoiler. So, <laughs> so again, that's, that. I had to say, well, yeah. you know, people are sensitive about dogs. Totally. I can understand. I can absolutely understand. This is not a John Wick situation. Oh. So, <laughs> so again, that's the Storm Runner by J.C. Cervantes. 
And that's our show. Hooray! Go forth and read some kids kids books. They totally count. Oh, they do. We all agree. <laughs> we all agree. So say we all. <laughs> so say we all. Um, thank you all so much for listening. If you have a favorite kidlit sci-fi fantasy book or would have a suggestion for a theme for us or any other comments or feedback, you can always email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. If you also left us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts, we wouldn't be mad. It helps other folks to find the show. And you can find us online. I'm on Twitter as Jen IRL. That's Jen with two N's IRL. And I'm on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And you can find me on Instagram at S Williams. That's S C A I N A B Williams. And we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>